0: Log Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for the CONCACAF Champions Cup first round, second leg review show as we review those matches involving our MLS clubs. And we're gonna once again start it off right off and running. Joining me right now from Philadelphia Soccer now, the one in LA Matt Ralph, with an explosive second leg matchup between the Union and Deportivo Saprissa Matt, welcome back, and how were, how were your nerves feeling after this past Tuesday night? Uh, that, was, uh, that was something.
1: Um, yeah, not really expected at all. I mean, it was um, from the early going with the penalty and just the back-and-forth nature. That was really not what anyone was expecting, really.
0: It sounds like you're out of breath still. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, my God, it, it was it was just amazing to watch. And it's like, you know, the first half, I mean, look, four goals is great, but wow, 2-2 two, two in the first half. And, I, I mean, Union's still leading by a goal on aggregate. And you're just thinking to yourselves here, what is going on here? And, and, and how is Jim Curtin handling all this? Whoops, I think he dropped. Uh, well, hopefully uh, he's still there, Matt Ralph. Uh, but, uh, you know, my God, I got to tell you, it was just amazing uh, to, to watch that match in the opening 45. I really thought that, uh, you know, the Union were uh, uh, going to take this one. And, you know, when it all got started, in the uh, in the uh, opening 45, I mean, Saprista comes out of nowhere, folks, with that big goal in the 14th minute by Luis Paradella, and oh. you know from that point on. Oh, I, are you there, yeah, Matt? I'm sorry. Um,
1: yeah, no, it was That's definitely it. not the game plan at all, for sure. Um, yeah,
0: you know they wanted
1: to not concede, and they did that, and then that kind of you know threw out uh, whatever the plan was and. Really, just made it a you know wild night in in Chester, a 120 minute
0: game. Absolutely, I was saying you know that 14th minute goal by Luis Paradela really scared the crap out of everybody at Subaru Park, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and uh, but of course you know uh, Julian Carranza comes up big to make it one-one in the match and. Uh, 4-2 on, uh, what was it? I think it was actually 4-3 on aggregate. Uh, But still, though, uh, that, that, you know, away goals are coming. And then that second goal in the match by Quinn Sullivan, about in the 26th minute, I mean, you were thinking things were starting to, you know, get better, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. Again, you know, I don't, it's not often that the union concede first at home. It's even less often that they concede more than one goal. So you thought once they got that second goal, um, you know, things would settle down. Uh, but then you're reminded that it is cocky calf and, you know, there's just, there's just always something, right? <laughs> like, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's why we love these games. Cause you just don't, you can't always predict what's going to happen. And, I think, you know, that game had a little bit of everything in it uh, in the end. And, you know, those watching at home were uh, entertained by, you know, the unorthodox commentary of the game, but also just the fact that, I mean, it just, you you just really, you know, know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, a lot of times at home you kind of think you know how things are going to go with the union. You know, like you said, they generally don't give up goals, a lot of goals. Uh, You you know they're 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 fine with a one one zero win. I think Jim would have loved a one zero win at, on that on the night. Uh, but you know the, the the Champions Cup and Champions League, you know soccer huh. just just doesn't doesn't allow that to to be to, to be that easy.
0: Absolutely not. And then of course another horror happens two minutes later after Sullivan scores. Warren Madrigal scores in the twenty eighth minute. And it's 2-2 two, two after 45 minutes. It's 5-4 on aggregate. And still, it's 3-2 Union on away goals. And then you get to halftime. What, what was the feeling like, you know, watching it from the press box, talking to the local Philadelphia media? What were your feelings about this match going into the second half? You
1: know, I, I think, again... Uh, you know, it just it, it, it was starting to feel like every time the union were were pulling away and putting themselves in you know position to lock the game down, that it, it just it was going to slip away. So, I mean, I think generally you're still confident that at home you're gonna you're gonna find a way. Um, it's it's a competition where the reward doesn't go to the team that plays the most beautiful football. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a team that, that that can can find a way. And I think in the end, that's what the union did. They found a way. You know, you're thinking three away goals. You know, I, I was running through all the scenarios in my head before the game. I was like, well, the best case scenario for, uh, for Supriza is to win 2-0 uh, because of the away goals. But then, you know, you're thinking, okay, they've put two past them. They're, they're probably going to score a third. I mean, it's just the way the game was going i mean the way it was going it could have been you know you could have seen five you know five more goals in the second half it just the the, the play was really open it was chaotic it was yeah you know, the the refereeing is always a little bit unpredictable i think at one point abiza is getting taken down by two guys and nothing's called and then a few minutes later two union players collide collide with each other in the box and a foul is caught against the priest, and you're thinking, okay, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, it's just very unpredictable in terms of, you know, a harsh foul might not even be a foul. A, a light foul might be, you know, a, a card, a, in this case a red card. Um, you know, there's obviously leaving the foot out there, dangerous from behind uh, tackle, you know, but still just, just very unpredictable, and I think – that's why, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think the game plan was to not really uh, let to, – to, to not keep the door open, to slam it shut, and they didn't slam it shut. They left it open for,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the better part of the night and then finally closed it uh, when it when it really mattered in that extra time.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, in that second half, Mariano Torres on it, that that was an amazing free kick in that 62nd minute. That was, I mean, basically that's game on, you know, they Mm -hmm. leveled the aggregate. I mean, I know they had the lead in the match 3-2 at the time. They leveled the aggregate. They leveled away goals, which I didn't even think was going to be possible, to be honest with you. And yeah. it was just amazing to see that happen. And then, of course, you get the second half stoppage time and Jack Elliott uh, tackled from behind. I- I'll admit, I thought it was it was kind of clean. I mean, I know it was from behind, but I didn't think he got his man all the way. I thought he did get the ball, but the straight red card and VR did not re- did not overturn it. Yeah, I thought it was a
1: little weird that it wasn't at least looked at. You know, again, I think the reason for the, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a dog though. It wasn't a last man back, but I think the way, the way he slides in, um, if he does connect, you know, can could really seriously, injure a player. So, you know, the question comes down to, and you know, there's questions about the penalty, the early penalty as well. But like, the question comes down to was. Was there contact? Possibly not. You know, was it was it sold? Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, is one of those things. It may be the situation where VAR, VAR, you know, I always say VAR makes everything look like, you know, can make everything look worse than it is, right? Because yep. you slow things down, you look at it from different angles, it could look look more egregious than it was. But, you know, the fact that, you know, if he makes any contact at all, it's like you said, it is minimal. Um, I think if, I think if a yellow card goes up, no one's really, no one's really complaining about that one. Um, you know, the fact that it's a, a red there, I think is, is, is harsh, especially now that it basically puts the union in a very difficult situation, which we'll talk about, of course, going into the next round with, you know, down two center back. So, um, so yeah, definitely kind of a, definitely a, a gray area, borderline call. Um, I think a foul or a yellow would have been fair, um, but a red it does feel a little bit harsh in, in the way the game was going. And also, mm-hmm. no, he's it really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> no, oh, absolutely. He's not. He's gonna want that back from just not going to ground at all. Don't don't put that that thought in the, the referee's head that he has to make a call one way or another. You know, it was covered. Um, it was an unnecessarily not unnecessary challenge for for Elliot to make, and and that's unfortunate uh, from from the get-go. Mm-hmm.
0: No, absolutely, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, but still, don't put yourself in that position to force the referee to make that call. That's that's absolutely correct. But Michael Moore, uh right place at the right time, four minutes into the beginning of extra time, he gets that lead uh, on aggregate six five, levels the score at three three. And there's Supriza, of course, that one other magical moment that does not happen off the post, then off the bar, and then out for a goal kick. And the Union survive and you move on to the round of 16. And that means, Matt, the Union are going to take on Pachuca from the Liga MX. And that, my friend, is going to be a huge challenge for the union.
1: Absolutely. Uh, especially the way that they're conceding goals right now, uh, which, again, is not not the way they want to play. Um, it, it, they've actually scored some really nice goals. I think their offense is is, is, is clicking. Uh, Quinn Sullivan has looked incredible. Um, you know, Ura obviously being able to, to give him a score sheet. You know, he does a lot of things when he doesn't score, but I think the goals coming is a really good sign because it, it sort of is the exclamation point to the work that he does, and sometimes that that means scoring easy goals, but he needs to be in those positions to score, tap-ins, and you know, finish off plays. So, you know, the, the, the offense is doing great, but the defense has a lot of work to do, and it's going to be a real struggle, you know, figuring out who to play uh, because you're down two centre backs. So uh with Lowe and Elliott out, likely, you know, you'll probably see Harrell slide in there, uh Harry and partner with with Jacob Glasnows and then, you know, you, you put Fvisor on the on the outside there on the right which is where he was to start and play most of the game against uh the second leg like, of Capresa. So so yeah, definitely, you know, you don't wanna be dealing with you know conceding goals, and missing two center backs uh, at the same time. So it, it will definitely be a, a huge test for them, uh, for sure. Even though it is at home, the home leg uh, will start the, the, the series. It's still going to be, like you said, a huge huge test, a huge challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it must be tough not to see Andre Blake in goal either. Not saying the backup hasn't done well, but still, though, three goals is a lot to give up, including if Blake is in net.
1: Yeah, and, you know, like you know, definitely have to give your hats off to him. You know, Jim was talking today saying, you know, he's really just thrown into the fire. I mean, a guy who, you know, still relatively new as a pro, um, although he has got a lot of great experience, uh, lower leagues in Germany, winning two national titles as a a college student in the U.S. and, you know, really just one full season of professional soccer with Louisville City and then to come in to step in and, you know, the the sort of the hand-wringing that has occurred previously, and, you know, no no knock on Joe Bendick, a, a real professional, a real leader, uh, but, you know, goals that sometimes Bendick would let up were obviously goals that Blake would have saved. You could probably make the argument that one or two of the goals that uh has let up could have been Andre Blake saves, but you could also argue maybe he would save them as well. So um, I think he's he, he's done a done a good job, you know, in a difficult situation to step into right away, you know, new club, new new level, new league, playing international uh, internationally um, in an international competition when you're literally just you know signed with a team like a few weeks ago. So I mean, does deserve a ton of credit. Um, it sounds like Blake will definitely be back for uh, for the first leg against Pachuca. He's still questionable if he'll be ready for uh, the game Saturday in uh, or tomorrow in uh, Kansas. But, yeah, I mean, really, you can't really knock too much of what he did. Um, I think he shows just by stepping in, Oliver does, mm-hmm. and you know, just his, his, his ability to, to read a game, his calmness on the ball. He's really good with his feet. And didn't seem too phased by by the setting. And you know, sometimes when, especially when a younger, youngish goalkeeper steps into those kind of plays, you can kind of see them looking a little bit lost. Um, you know, struggling in those moments. And I don't think you could anyone could argue that he struggled. I mean, there were probably some things that that he needs to clean up. And you know, will will come with time and you know, a better, you know, better. uh, relationship with his back line and, and, and understanding in yep. those situations. But, but really, I think, great job for him. But but Blake is mm-hmm. your guy. He's your, he's your MVP. He's your, he's your star. And you want him in there. And, and, and the bigger the, the stage, the the more important it becomes to have him healthy and, and playing playing in the game.
0: Absolutely. Matt, listen, thanks again for joining me tonight. I will uh, have you back on next week for a round of 16 First leg Review. Thanks, as always, and talk to you soon.
1: Great. Thanks. Always a pleasure.
0: Always a pleasure. Thank you. Matt Rau, Philadelphia Soccer Now, joining us to talk about the Union. Now joining us to talk about the New England Revolution and their victory over club Atletico Independiente. Sam Minton, the blazing musket, joining me. Sam, welcome back. Um, You know, I have to say that I felt their second leg at home was much better than their first leg matchup on the road.
2: Yeah, you know, first off, you know, always uh, glad to be back, then, But, yeah, it was definitely a much more complete p- performance. You know, it, it almost seemed like they were going to be able to put up four goals, but uh, they had a goal called back. But it, it, it just really seems like, you know, you had the home cooking. Uh, this was the first home match of uh, 2024 for the Revolution. Caleb Porter previously uh, kind of complained about the pitch down in Panama. It definitely seemed like the Revolution were able to move the ball. A lot better, and it was just like again, like I said, a real complete performance, and obviously the Ke- Taylor Porter era is quite young, but definitely the best performance so far as since he's uh, taken over as head coach.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think it was 10 million times better than what it was down in Panama. I will ask you this though. Is that a new surface, a new uh, pitch laid down at Gillette Stadium uh, because it looked different to me.
2: Yes, you you have a good eye, yes. They did replace it at the end of the Revolutions uh, season. So brand new turf, and then obviously with the World Cup coming up, uh, once that does come up, that turf will be replaced with grass. But, yes, a, a nice new playing surface, and obviously, you know, it is nice to have that, but, uh, you know, we saw Carlos Heel get subbed out in the 40, you, you know, six-minute rate right after uh, halftime and Caleb Porter after the match did say, On that, his Achilles was a bit tight, and, you know, he mentioned the cold, but also mentioned kind of adjusting to the playing surface. So as much as, you know, it's a nice brand-new turf, it still seems like it's rearing its ugly head, if you would say, seeing that, you know, your former MVP and captain had to leave the match because of Achilles tightness.
0: You know that turf monster is always going to pop up whenever it wants to, and (laughs) we can't control it.
2: Yeah, I know. It just seems like... at least once a year, you know, it, it claims a victim, especially last season, you know, Brandon Bay, Dylan Barrero, and, you know, the opponents who also suffered injuries on there, it seemed like it was especially vicious last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But still, though, uh, Carl's brother Nacho got that big goal in the eighth minute really quickly, too. I thought uh, Independiente was going to give a bit of a uh, of a challenge uh, on the road there against the Revolution, but not so. Nacho was able to get that big goal in the eighth minute.
2: Yeah, it definitely set the tone, and it just definitely seems like Nacho enjoyed uh, playing Independiente. You know, he was played a part in that goal down in Panama with that long ball that uh, Giacomo Vrioni ended up heading over to Thomas Chankali. But it was it was a really impressive play. You know, talking to the players uh, after the match, Andrew Farrell mentioned you know just the build up of the play. Then obviously the focus will be on uh, Giacomo Grioni laying it off to Carlos Hill. Carlos Heel. You know, being able to connect with his brother and uh, Nacho being able to put it away. That's actually his first goal in a Revolution uniform. But it, it was a beautiful play. Farrell even mentioned that at halftime they washed it over. Uh, so it was a really beautiful play, but it set the tone. Obviously, if you have a team away, they can kind of, you know, it, uh, they mentioned, you know, Caleb Porter, Andrew Farrell, that they can kind of sit back and look to go on the counter and, you know, try to attack from that sort of lens, but once you're down a goal, you kind of have to be a bit more aggressive, and, you know, things were able to open up, and the revolution were able to start scoring some goals.
0: Absolutely, and I will say this, though. Um, I mean, I, I thought that the Revolution looked sharper and better. I know it's only their third match of the season. Technically, they've played one match already at DC United, but still, though, I, I thought they looked more compact and, and a lot better, you know, with their sharpness on the pitch, and I really thought, well, you can get a couple more goals out of this one from the Revs at this point.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it was definitely kind of... Good to see that you know the ball was looking a lot more crisp and you were able to see kind of those one touches and being able to move the ball quite fast and you know again part of that might just be because of the playing surface they're on and it seems to be much improved but also I think it's something that you know Caleb Porter is trying to emphasize and you know it's going to be really interesting the battles all around the field are kind of increasing and it's good to have death but obviously you know it can cause some selection headaches you know, you have Nacho Hill uh, performing well, but you also have Esmir Baratarovich who's been able to perform well and since uh as well, you know, especially, you know, against D.C. when he got the start. And then also, too, you have in the midfield, you have uh, Matt Polster, Ian Hartz, Mark anthony K, Noel Buck. It's it's provide providing some interesting kind of, you know, side pieces. Obviously you focus on the match and, you know, what happens there, but off the field and in training, there's gonna be a lot of battles for minutes. So I definitely think the team overall looked a, a lot better, a lot more kind of on the same page of uh, the chemistry is starting to build. And it's just gonna be very interesting, obviously with the match con- congestion to see how Caleb Porter kind of balances minutes and you know who ends up possibly, you know, being his go-to guys and who what other guys might be a little bit a little bit hurt that they're kind of stuck getting bench minutes.
0: I dare you to say Baj Rocktarovic 3 times fast.
2: Oh, I I cannot. I'll give credit to George Mentalis <laughs> who uh, called that that round one. He actually nailed that
0: name. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. I just like to have a little fun with you on that one. That's okay, but uh
2: <laughs> you
0: know uh Chankali once again second goal in this tournament, 58th minute made it two nil, three nil on aggregate, and uh, once again, just you know, he's been a very big player since transferring over in the summer window for the Revolution from last year, didn't? He? Isn't he?
2: Yeah, and I mean, it, it seemed like a no brainer to kind of make the loan move permanent, permanent, and make him a DP. And it just continues to pay off. And it seems like we'll always be saying, man, that was an absolute steal because he's just a player who's able to go at defenders. He's someone who has an absolute cannon of a shot. And it seems like he could be a real difference maker for the Revolution this season. Now, obviously, opponents are going to key in on Carlos Heel. They're going to try and, you know, get as many guys on him as humanly possible and definitely be physical in trying – Wear him down, but when you have all that focus on heel, it opens up other opportunities for someone like Chankalai. And obviously, he has the talent, he has the goal scoring ability, and I really think he could be in for a big season. You know, he he already has shown he he's able to score score some goals, and I I really think he could possibly be competing for that kind of golden boot race in terms of you know the Revolution Club. I'm not saying you know MLS in general. But I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's the top goal scorer for the rest of the season.
0: I had missed it when they removed the goal from Boateng. Why was that taken away?
2: Yeah, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher uh, early on. You know, the same could be said of the Giacomo Rioni yellow card early on. But it was an offside due to Nick Lima. He was uh, offside in kind of the build-up, so they ended up taking that goal back.
0: Okay, that's why. Of course, Mark Anthony K. gets that final goal in second half stoppage time. Just, you know, They just buried it. It was wonderful. 3-0 on the night. 4-0 on aggregate, and the Revolution advanced to the, sec, uh, to the round of 16 in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. So, now that the Revolution have advanced, what worries you about Aluenza from Costa Rica? Because you know as well as I do, that's one of the top clubs in the Costa Rican First Division.
2: Yeah, and obviously, you know, they're one of the top clubs in the Costa Rican division. But, you know, they're a real CONCACAF giant. So I think, obviously, it can be easy to look ahead to one of the Liga MX sides. But I think this is going to be a battle. And I think that home match uh, that's coming up this week is going to be very important. I think the Revolution will look to kind of make a statement. I don't think they're going to be making putting up, you know, 3 nothing or 4 nothing, But I think that they'll definitely want to hopefully get a clean sheet and then put up a couple goals because that away like in Costa Rica is definitely probably going to be a bit of a challenge, and it's not going to be as easy. Obviously, Independiente put up a a very good fight, Uh, but this is a step up, and obviously the talent on Aulenses is there, and I think it's going to be a real interesting battle and kind of interesting to see how the match plays out, but the home leg is going to be very crucial for the revolution, especially if they want to advance.
0: Absolutely, you're correct there. And let me just ask you this: and obviously, it's only been you know one league match, and uh, then the first two legs in the uh, opening round of this Champions Cup. From what you've seen from Caleb Porter, and we know he's managed Portland Timbers, the Columbus Crew. Now that you have them every single day, now I know it's still early, but what are some of the things you like from him, or what are some of the things you don't like from him?
2: I mean, I would say in general, like, it, it, they're obviously we're going from uh, Bruce Arena to Caleb Porter. It, it, it's quite the contrast. Like, for instance, there was one moment in a press conference uh, recently where Caleb uh, basically told us that Bobby Wood was dealing with this knee injury. He, he like, gave us the exact, like, brand of the uh, injection that he received. And with Bruce, <laughs> I'm so used to hearing, yeah, a player's fine. Like, he, he's good. And so like you know there's those different differences but just in general like i mean if you are just talking you know me working with him you know definitely is someone who has been a pleasure to work with so far he he gives a good quote and i think when you look at his talent and kind of his coaching ability he he plays that you know typical 4231 that he's been known for and i think he's kind of added a much needed out data and kind of you know analytical view he's definitely very concerned you know with how players are managed in terms of injuries and he kind of hinted at it uh you know when talking about Carlos's injury and you know other injuries well too that last year a lot of players came back from injury and when they came back from injury they got hurt again so he wants to kind of make sure that these players are, are doing the right thing and, you know, coming back at the right time. So especially when it comes to sports science, and I just think overall, you know, his philosophy as a coach is a lot more of a analytical and kind of data-driven uh, mindset behind it. But I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Obviously, not the best start in league play, and I think that is very important to us fans. Winning a CONCACAF Champions Cup would be absolutely amazing uh but that that MLS Cup trophy is forever eluding the club and that's gonna be the the monkey off the back if you say uh once the club whenever it is, maybe it's in my lifetime, maybe it's not, is able to uh, lift that trophy. Um so it's gonna be really interesting to see what he's able to do in MLS play. But so far I think he's done a good job. He just the the key is what happens at the striker position Giacomo Veroni got another yellow card he's going to miss uh that first leg against Aloranza and he's also missing Sunday's match due to the double yellow that he picked up in the DC game so if Veroni continues to kind of struggle in that in that aspect you know he did perform well against uh Independiente uh, it's going to be interesting to see how long Caleb kind of uh keeps the faith when it comes to Veroni
0: very true and hopefully uh there'll be an answer for that one somewhere down the road but we'll see what happens there but still though Sam I got to say uh excellent start in the CONCACAF Champions Cup for the Revolution let's see what they can do against Alauenza do you think they're going to use the uh the tape from LAFC's run last year maybe to uh, when they started off against Alauenza
2: yeah you know Caleb kind of you know said that he has a general look of uh you know the squad and will do more research obviously, in the coming days. Uh, But I I think it'll be a bit tough for uh, the Revolution to try and be LAFC, but they'll definitely uh, take some notes from them.
0: Absolutely, and why not? Got to use an advantage somewhere. Anyway, Sam, thank you again for joining me tonight. Uh, Can't wait to have you back on next Friday to talk about the Round of 16 First Leg Review against Al And you have a good night, and uh, let's see what they do during league play this weekend.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much, Dan. Always uh, love chatting with you and uh, can't wait to be back.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again, Sam. You have a good night. You as well. All right. Sam Minton, Blazing Musket, joining uh, us tonight as we uh, talk about these MLS clubs in the CONCACAF Champions Cup in the opening round. Of course, we're reviewing their second leg matchups that you were able to watch on either Fox Sports 2 or Fox Sports on Tubi at tubi.com. You just go to the live TV TV section at the website and uh, it just pops right up there and we'll see what happens uh, as we definitely are uh, getting ready to talk more action here in the Concacaf Champions Cup. Joining me next here, of course, he covers FC Cincinnati for Area Sports Network. The only Kenta Hagiwara joining me once again. Kenta, welcome back, and how are you?
3: I'm doing quite well, uh, Daniel. How are you doing?
0: Doing very well. Uh, great second leg. Excellent performance. Uh, Without a doubt, FC Cincinnati dominating Cavalier FC out of Jamaica and getting two goals in the opening half, two goals in the closing half. Just an excellent performance from Pat Noonan's side.
3: Yeah, dominant, I think, is a really good way to describe it. Uh, I think we discussed this last week. uh, With a multiple goal deficit, you expect the team to kind of open up early and try to the game was going to be wide open. I think you saw that with the four goals and the younger players being able to convert on their opportunities. It's really good to see a lot of squad rotation in that match uh, this week, and yeah, it's a really good performance by them.
0: oh absolutely. And I thought Alvis Powell on the ball early, obviously just about to get to the twentieth minute, uh, buries the opening chance right there. And uh, I thought Powell had a very strong game in this one. Yeah, Alvis,
3: I, I think, looked really well. Um, hasn't really been starting at that right wing back role, but he brings a level of depth that uh, Yuya Kuba, who's been starting to other matches. Uh, Kuba's been wanting to play a little bit more centrally where he's been for the last couple of years in that central midfield area, and Powell gives SEC a bit more Width and defensive capabilities, and he scored his first go- first goal for FC Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, was on the team for the inaugural season 2019. Left to go to Inter Miami, I think it was for a year or two, and then came back. Uh, or I guess the off was in Philadelphia for 2021, and then came back in 2022. That uh, was his first goal for FC Cincinnati, so a milestone goal in a in a match against this, a, a team from the
0: same country. No, absolutely. You know, we always talked about, you know, last year, some of the great players that Cincinnati has, obviously, Brandon Vasquez when he was there. um, Acosta, Luciano Acosta, of course, uh, some of the great attacking players you have. But Aaron Vupenza, to me, has always been that, I don't know if you want to say the unsung hero. I mean, maybe that's more Yuya Kubo probably in that role, but I, I like to think Bupens has been an unsung hero at times for Cincinnati, but he's always there at the right place at the right time. Yeah,
3: I, I mean, I think it, depends, uh, it took him a while coming into summer transfer window last year for him to kind of get settled with the team and uh, to get that chemistry that, you know, between Brandon Vasquez, between like your Sergio Santos, your all the strikers that after Cincinnati had in Luciano Acosta, that it, it took a while to get there. Now that he had a full off season to train and a pre, full preseason, you're kind of seeing the best version of Defensa so far this year. And it, it might be a really, really exciting season with him up top.
0: No, absolutely. And of course that's two nil in the match. Uh, Four nil on aggregate at the moment, you go into the start of the second half and once again, Cincinnati's just not letting up. I know Cavalier, tried their best and they were trying to be you know attacking and uh, looking dangerous but the truth of the matter is cincinnati was 10 million times better uh, there was that moment where you know it looked like isaiah foster got tackled from behind originally the referee let it go var comes in uh gives the referee the uh, once over on the video monitor and saw that uh, it should have been a penalty and it was given a penalty and Unfortunately, Foster couldn't convert it, but he does get his goal in the 71st minute to make it 3-0. Yeah,
3: I think it was Kimi OrDonius who got fouled and took the PK in this. Um, oh. And, yeah, uh, like with Kimi in particular, I think he had probably the weakest performance of the team, and, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory. But, yeah, Isaiah Foster, uh, he's, a, he's a very young player coming uh, over from USL side uh, Colorado Switchback. Back last year, didn't really play a ton with the first team. We played a ton with after Cincinnati too, the next pro side. Uh, so some really valuable first first team minutes, kind of a theme that gets passed around with this with this match. But um, and he delivered an important goal, great finish.
0: Yep. Yeah, very true, very true. And then of course at the last goal, seven minutes later. Uh, Gerardo Valenzuela made it 4-0 in the match, 6-0 on aggregate, and that would be the end of that. And, you know, that was the very first time, not counting the U.S. men's national team, that TQL Stadium was holding an international club tournament match uh, at home. And what was the feeling like at TQL Stadium for this one?
3: It was the coldest kickoff at TQL Stadium uh, for an FC Cincinnati match. Uh, so the, not a ton of fans there, if we're being honest, compared to over the weekend against Toronto FC for the, for the season opener for MLS. But when you get that many goals and you're controlling possession, you're getting chance after chance after the chance, um, the vibes, yeah, very good. 34 shots by FC Cincinnati, 14 on target compared to two and two from Cavalier. It was a very one-sided affair when you have that the fans are going to be in it from the start and all the way to the finish. And I think you saw that.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I did. And that was absolutely brilliant to watch and to see what was going to happen there. And just happy to see FC Cincinnati uh, actually looking dominant, but not that they weren't, but in the first leg, but still though, you know, this is a big, big competition and hopefully they'll have enough to make a long run to get to the final. I mean, I know they've made it to the semifinals of the open cup last year. They got to the Uh, Eastern Conference final against Columbus and unfortunately they just couldn't get into both cup finals last year but still though uh, to me I'd like to think they're one of the favorites to try and make it to the championship final when we get to June for this Champions Cup
3: You'd like to to see the defensive players that they have the capabilities all USMNT center backs in the back three of Ian Murphy, who got caught up in January, and then obviously Matt Miazga and Miles Robbins on the back line with Roman Solentano in goal. Um, if you're going to continue to score and apply pressure in the attacking half in the way that you saw against Cavalier, obviously I don't expect that dominant of a performance this upcoming matchup against a really strong one A side. I think that's a really tough draw. If you're after Cincinnati, that's the best team in Liga MX right now, so uh, very tough matchup in a reunion with the former Cincinnati striker Brandon Vasquez. Uh, but overall, you like, I think you like your chances, especially at home, with how your form overall has been the last year or so at home. And uh, it should be a really, really exciting matchup uh, on the, for like the next two weeks in CCC play.
0: Now. Talking about Brandon Vasquez, obviously a legend at the club with FC Cincinnati, but did you ever think it would be that quick and that soon he would be making his return to the Queen City, especially at TQL?
3: I think when the, the the original bracket went up and we said we could meet in round two, it was like okay, like this this. This might happen, but now that it's official and you're looking at the calendar and you're you're like, oh, he's he's gonna be here in a week on Thursday. That it it just kind of changes your entire mindset of of that. Uh, It makes it so surreal. Um, Obviously, big big time club player for uh, Brandon Vastis, for from Cincinnati, a big important figure. With the team's success whether that's the sport of shield or just even making the playoffs and the, the the accomplishments that the clubs had over the last few years uh a big key contributor for us in Cincinnati where as was so uh, i expect him to to receive a really warm welcome back at the stadium and uh yeah it, it should be again very very exciting
0: no, it really is, and I mean, this is my, not the thing, I'm fearing this for any uh, FC Cincinnati fan, supporter, or anybody, you know, that follows the club over there, but what's going to happen when he buries the ball for the first time against his former side? I mean, what do you think is going to happen? I think it's it's mixed reactions, I, I,
3: I'm i sure, sure of it, because uh, including myself, a lot of us watch the month that matches to see Brandon play, and he's... Been tearing up Liga Mickey's play, and so we know he's in form, and uh, we've seen Brandon score plenty of times on the PQL grounds. So he's he's right at home, and so it almost feels like it's bound to happen. But um, yeah, it'll that'll be a sight to see if, if he ends up scoring against SC Cincinnati. <laughs>
0: I know you're laughing. It's okay. You know, you never thought you'd ever see that happen, one of your own, going somewhere else, and all of a sudden it just comes that quickly that he's come back, but he's wearing a different kit, obviously. You're never going to use... I know you probably won't get used to it for a long, long time, but still, though, it's it, it's going to be a very, very difficult feeling to see him in that purple and white kit of... Uh, of Monterey going out there. Now, outside of him, what does Cincinnati need to do to be careful against Monterey? We've already said they're one of the giants recently in Liga MX. Uh, Maybe not at the level of a Medica or a Guadalajara or a Cruz Azul or a Pumas, but still though, uh, Monterey can handle their own very well.
3: Yeah, I think when you look at Monterrey's last bit stretch of matches, they've been really, really good defensively. They haven't conceded more than two goals in a match since that Brandon Vasquez. Every match Vasquez has played in, they haven't conceded you know more than two or more goals. Uh, and with kind of going back to that Toronto C match, in the season opener, they struggled to to kind of be on the same page and to capitalize on their chances. I think this weekend. Tomorrow at Chicago will be a really good test to see if Lupenza, uh, if Acosta, if Corey Baird and Sergio Santos they can link up and actually finish off their chances to put the ball in the back of the net. It's one thing for for those teams to tack on goals against Cavalier FC, and and I don't mean this to uh, at, in any way of a in any disrespect against them, but it's going to be a different matchup against this. Monterey side, and you still have to be able to put the back of the ball in the back of the net, um, especially at home and while preventing goals as well. So, it, controlling the game, I think they'll be better at than scoring. Um, it, I really have some concerns about their ability to finish off chances based off of that Toronto FC performance. So, this tomorrow's match should be a really telling sign about what to expect midweek yep. on the seventh.
0: No, absolutely. The one thing I think you're going to have to be aware of, and it's probably going to happen whether you're going to like it or not, you're going to have a very large influence of Monterey fans coming to TQL Stadium. Uh, I mean, are you going to inform everyone that goes to these games that you've got to buy the tickets in midweek? I mean, I know midweek is tough and I understand, but this is a big-time matchup. I mean, this is one of those moments where, you know, forget League's Cup for a moment kenta this is huge this is international cup competition to say you beat a liga mx team not just for one game but for the two leg series
3: yeah it's a it's a massive massive matchup and as you said like even in league league cup, we we hosted chivas last year and they showed up plentifully uh and I expect Monterrey to to have a really good crowd at Tijuana Stadium on Thursday. So you need that home field advantage. I mean, that's such a key thing, right? Because you get one home match, and you want that home match to to be as much of a favorable atmosphere um, for for the guys, especially in, in in a matchup that's not the easiest opponent to play. So. We'll see how the numbers turn out. It's a midweek match, as you said. Um, But I think the fans, I think, hopefully understand that this is a bit more of a significant match than the Cavalier match this week and that they also show up in the numbers that we've seen from the South Cincinnati fan base since the beginning of them coming into MLS and even really
0: before. Yeah. No, absolutely, and we'll see what happens later on this coming week. But, Kenta, listen, thanks again for joining me tonight. Can't wait to talk to you next Friday uh, after the match against Monterey, and uh, have a good night, and thanks for coming on once again.
3: All right, see you next Friday.
0: See you next Friday. Kenta Hagiwara from Area Sportsnet covering FC Cincinnati as they move on to the round of 16 to take on, once again, Monterey. Joining me right now, of course, the all-time, uh, I shouldn't say the all-time, but the big MLS matchup in the CONCACAF Champions Cup opening round, St. Louis City uh, on the road at the Houston Dynamo. Once again, unfortunately, someone has to fall, someone has to move on. St. Louis City sadly falls in the second leg uh, as they lose two the Houston Dynamo one goal to nil and on the away goal by Houston as well. Joining me from Soccer Maine in St. Louis, Dave Lang joining me once again. Dave, good evening and how are you, sir?
4: Hi Michael, good. How are you?
0: Very well. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um look, I have to say, I thought St. Louis City did well. I, I thought they had a very solid performance. Uh, there's nothing to sneeze at about this uh, matchup. I know it's the very first time in their history after their inaugural season. They are in International Cup competition. I'm not counting league's Cup of all, uh, at all. Because, uh, but once again, it's against an MLS team. But still, though, I, I thought it was a very good performance. Just the result didn't go their way.
4: Yes, and um, Bradley Carnell, the head coach, said after the game that he went into the game trying to hold a lead. You know they were up by one goal, um, and he was you know basically playing for a shutout. Um, and we had talked earlier about the issue for all these MLS clubs in the Champions Cup is roster management. You know, playing a midweek game and then playing league games on weekends. And uh, St. Louis had uh, some big injuries at center back. You know, um, Parker was out he didn't play Tuesday night uh, they brought up Michael Wenzel from St. Louis City too to play center back um, so he played the entire game um, so their center back situation uh, has a lot of injury issues it's gonna be interesting to see who is ready to take the call tomorrow night when they host uh, New York City FC
0: yeah very true but I will say this though I thought you know, after the opening 45, I thought this was going to be a goalkeeper's duel. I thought both Clark and Berkey were so on point with their saves, especially Roman Berkey, how he was able to maintain at the net, whether he's at the near post, the far post, in the middle of his area. I thought he really was just sensational in his area.
4: He is just incredibly quick. I mean, that's been his story ever since he came here. Um, his ability to go from one post to the other post in lightning fashion and, and make a save at the far post is, is just incredible. Um, so his reflexes are, you know, what are his strong point and his his vision of the game as well, obviously.
0: been mm-hmm. going back to Carnell for a minute, and obviously this is only his second season as a head coach in any uh, in any league in the world, but. Was that a big mistake you felt to try and preserve the lead when maybe they should have tried to go forward and convert chances?
4: Um, You know, given the fact that they were hurting a center back, you know, in my uneducated view, I would have played more toward goal, you know, to, to uh, try and get an away goal, Um, giving that away goal the previous week, as we talked about last week, last week was really a critical um, giveaway from them. And it really came back to haunt them. So, you know, in my view, I thought maybe they should have pushed up a little bit more instead of letting um, Houston control the ball as much as they did.
0: Yeah, no, they really, really did. And uh, once again, you know, I, I just thought the performance was very good. And as we said, that one moment, that, that must have been tough to see, obviously. Um, Svatchenko at the hour mark bearing the ball past Berkey after all the time he tried to keep the ball out of the net. That must have been tough to watch.
4: Yeah, and on the uh, plus side, you know, the fact that they have all these injuries at center back, they've still only given up one goal in each of the first three games. So that says something, I think, about how solid they are in the back with whoever they play back there. That's so it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle New York City FC. Um, any team that's very skillful and can switch fields um, gives St. Louis City fits. So we'll see how that goes tomorrow night.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we'll see what's going to happen there on the weekend. Um you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, Durkin had a very good match. I thought uh, Kojima had a good match. I thought Klaus, uh if I can pronounce his name correctly, hopefully. If if I don't, you can always correct me if I'm wrong. Adenaran, I hope it is. Is it Adenaran?
4: Yes, Big Sam Adenaran. That's him, yes.
0: All right, good. All right. So $20 does not go into the cookie jar by me. I'm happy to hear that. You, um, you did it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, look, there's not much more you can do I mean, they were attacking, they were putting shots on the net They were giving Steve Clark fits I mean, I thought they were going to break through one of those chances Unfortunately, just couldn't get through it
4: Yeah, and it seems like an issue they're having so far Is connecting the back line with the forwards Which is the midfield's job, right? Um, so there seems to be a disconnect there in the first three games. It's really early in the season, and you know, that probably will come around as they, as they play more. But um, in that game, and actually in all three games, um, their build-up play you know, has not been that great. I mean, they're, they're relying on counterattacking and, and scoring quick goals. Um, but they've been struggling trying to connect the forwards with, uh, uh, from the midfield
0: unfortunately there, and uh, once again, just not their night uh, to get that result that they needed, but uh it, one nil i mean look one nil to to lose one nil is not that bad, obviously it was a hard fought match you're two two on aggregate, but with the away goals still in play in these in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. I know it's been taken away by UEFA as well as CONMEBOL, Ball, but still, though, do you, what's your thoughts on the away goals situation? Should we still keep away goals, or should we just leave it the way it is?
4: Um, I like the idea of away goals because it gets a team on the road to put a goal, you know, instead of just parking the bus, as they say. Um, so, you know, I like that. I like to see the visiting team not just sit back and absorb punishment, but actually trying get on the scoreboard. So I think it's a good role and you know, I like it So, for what it's worth. Yeah.
0: So what do you think now with Bradley Carnell? Obviously he focuses on the season. Uh, he'll focus on Leagues Cup. I will reserve that other competition for another time with you. And I know how everyone in St. Louis is not happy about that, but still though, yeah. um, to get back to the CONCACAF Champions Cup for next, for next year, uh, do you think he's got to do the same things like he did last year? Or do you think uh, he's, it's going to be a, a tougher well, road you know, now it, in 2024?
4: Um, they're going to have a tougher time because the teams they played last year know their style and, and know how to play them. Now, I mean, Last year, especially the 1st five ten games of the season, um, they just, I think, caught so many teams by surprise with counterattacks. Now teams are uh, are aware of that and are coming into St. Louis or hosting the city on the road, knowing that you know that's how they play the game, and they've got to be very careful on not getting caught up the field um, when they're attacking St. Louis City's net. Mm.
0: When you talk to the uh, St. Louis soccer fans uh, in the city uh, in downtown St. Louis, uh, when getting ready for this CONCACAF Champions Cup. What was the feeling and the vibe at City Park uh, before and, of course, after this? Uh, the first leg was played?
4: You know, being a new team, I think a lot of people were not quite sure what this tournament was about. So there was a lot of education there. Um, they know what the Open Cup is about, if you saw some of the posts today after they made the announcement of the format of the Cup in St. Louis City, not playing. But uh, I w- they were looking forward to just getting back on the field and, and watching them play because they have a very strong supporters group. You know, they sold out every home game last year. Um, so um, there was that income. Um, I think wanting, looking forward to playing, but uh, on the other hand, not quite sure what this tournament was all about and how St. Louis city was going to approach it with cramming so many games at the front end of the schedule. Yeah, I agree with you there,
0: but look, still a young team, and we all know the rich history of soccer in the city of St. Louis and how many famous players have been a part of the U.S. men's national team uh, in the St. Louis area, especially uh, in the state of Missouri and everything else going forward. What do you think is going to be uh, next up now uh, for the club, And, and who's your next opponent on your schedule for this weekend?
4: Well, the next opponent is a home game tomorrow night with New York City FC. Um, so that's their MLS opponent this Saturday um, Then they go on the road uh, after that for, I think, weeks in a row before they come back to St. Louis. So it'll be, it's going to be interesting. You know, they're, after they play uh, uh, New York City, they're going to be playing L.A. Galaxy. Um, obviously another very skillful team, and we'll see how they can handle that situation. Um, they'll also be playing in Austin. Uh, before they come back here uh, after after those two games on the road. Um, So uh, it's interesting. You know, it's not unusual for an MLS team. You only have two designated players, and St. Louis only has two designated players. So I think a lot of people are wondering, are they just waiting and going to jump on somebody uh, this summer or if they're going to keep that DP slot open? And and, and there's a lot of of talk about that in St. Louis, about if they're going to fill that third DP slot.
0: Who in MLS remaining? And of course, Miami and Columbus will now enter the round of 16 in the Ch- Concacaf Champions Cup. Uh, are the remaining MLS clubs left in the field? Who do you think has the better chance to advance into the next round?
4: I really like Columbus. Um, you know, they're coming into the tournament fresh, so to speak, not having played in the tournament yet. Defending league champions, and you know, being from St. Louis, um, especially keep an eye on the goalkeeper Patrick Schultes from St. Louis, and we got a call up with the national team a couple months ago, so you know it's sort of a sentimental favorite favorite I guess would just see uh see on advance um and Nashville, you know they have several St. Louis players as well, so I'm kind of a local guy and following these teams from out of town and teams that have st Louis players I, I tend to watch uh, more closely than the other teams,
0: yeah. Very, very true. And, of course, once again, it should be a lot of fun. And hopefully St. Louis will be able to qualify uh, for this tournament once again for next year. And, of course, hopefully it's either winning the championship or winning the League's Cup. And maybe they'll start in the round of 16.
4: Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, the big news in St. Louis today, like in a lot of other cities, was this. The announcement of the Open Cup format and all the supporters group in St. Louis issued statements that they're going to boycott the League's Cup game. So there's a lot of wow uh commentary flying around social media about that. Because the Open Cup has a, a special meeting in St. Louis. You know, they've won 10 times and been to the finals 11 other times. So that's 21 appearances in the finals uh, since the first St. Louis team was up here in 1920. So there's a lot of emotional oh, attachments in the Open Cup. And it was interesting oh, that uh, Tom Timmerman from... Tom Timmerman from the Post-Dispatch uh, posted a story today where he interviewed uh, uh, Diego Gugliani, who's uh, City's um, president and general managing partner. And he Diego said, you know, we really wanted to play in the Open Cup. That wasn't our decision. So um, it's interesting to see that City wanted to play in the competition, uh, but they're not going to be able to. There's a lot of chatter about that too around town.
0: So, so what he is saying is, is that it was the league that said no
4: yes yeah that's exactly right he said i'll just read his quote he said we would have we would have liked to play in that competition that's been our consistent position with the MLS throughout this negotiation period um but it ultimately wasn't our decision you know it was the league's decision so there's been a lot, like i say a lot of talk about that
0: mm. wow wow that that's amazing. Well, that is uh, some news that uh, is very interesting to hear about, and uh, we'll definitely be uh, kept uh, aware of that, and uh, we'll definitely report it here on Monday on Monday show. But all I can say, Dave, is this: is that uh, look, they gave it their best shot. That's all you can really say, and uh, just very very happy that they were able to get that opportunity. And I wish it was against a different opponent, but. You know, once again, unfortunately, it was against the Dynamo. But uh, listen, thank you for joining me tonight. Hope to have you back on again soon to talk more about St. Louis City. And uh, you have a good night and enjoy the rest of the season.
4: Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. Dave Lang, Soccer Made in St. Louis uh, podcast. Uh, you can listen to him if you are a St. Louis City supporter or if you just want to know what's going on in St. Louis soccer, uh, just go ahead and listen to him and, uh, and we'll get more stuff from him moving forward. Joining me, of course, now, uh, like I said, we talked to the gentleman who covers the, unfortunately, the losing side in this tie, but we now talk to the winning side of this tie, Derek Stowers, Bayou Soccer City. As Bayou City Soccer, excuse me, I I keep screwing that up. I can't. I hate that, Derek. I absolutely hate. I I can't get it right. Uh, joining me tonight to talk about the Dynamo's <laughs> victory over Saint Louis City, one nil in the second leg, and of course the away goal stood uh, in the opening leg. Uh, Derek, how are you feeling? And uh, one goal was all they needed the Dynamo to move on.
5: Yeah, that's right. Uh, always a pleasure to be on with you and. Uh... Uh yeah, you got the words in, you know, different order, but you got the words right for Bayou City Soccer. Um, well, I'm feel I'm feeling good. You know, it always feels good to move on. I'm you know, this is a a uh, Dynamo side that is quietly pushing forward in it as best a way that they can. And they're doing it from the back up. You know, there's I think a lot of problems that they have on offense, but I'm, you know, really liking a lot what I'm seeing in the back. I was listening to uh, your conversation with uh, the St. Louis guy and your uh, comment about it possibly being a little goalkeeping duel. I I totally saw that uh, as well. Uh, I thought that was a very apt question to uh, or observation to, to bring up because both uh, both goalkeepers were frankly uh, incredible that game and I think uh, really stood out. And, you know, definitely uh, whenever you're going into a game when you're, you know, you're down one, but you've got that away goal advantage, um, well, we saw a lot of the same thing as we did from leg one. The difference was this was just on our turf. Uh, I think that's probably the best way to put uh the difference between the games.
0: No, it really, really was. And I thought that somebody has to break through. Or this could be like one of the most longest nights ever at Shell Energy Stadium because, you know, Steve Clark and Roman Berkey were having blinders, you know, all the way up to the hour mark until, you know, the goal got converted um by uh Svachenko uh and you know it I was amazing how he converted that chance
5: yeah the, you know that goal uh you know so one one thing especially uh one of my observations from uh our home opener against uh, Sporting Kansas City was how much difficulty we had with uh delivering accurately on set pieces um and you know with without uh Hector Herrera uh to to provide, you know, pinpoint service. So there there's been a lot of moving parts when it comes to who's delivering those set pieces. But really it took a substitute center back coming off the bench uh to rise up, head the ball over to uh Kowalsik and it, I don't have my pronunciation guide in front of me and I don't speak Polish. So uh <laughs> that's what I'm going to go I with for over now. E over so me,
0: except after C. Yeah.
5: And uh you know, just a, a quick, you know, give back and then uh, a no hesitation one touch in the corner was uh, was perfect, you know, especially for a center back. And he's been a center back uh, for us that's been really looking for for goals, but usually coming from, you know, from headers uh, off of corners and stuff. But this was just like, you know, that was a striker's finish. That You know, that was great. <laughs>
0: No, it really was. It was really unbelievable how, you know, that goal was converted by Svatchenko. And, um, I mean, you know, you didn't have to do much other than that. They defended well. Um, I know they were still trying to get a second goal, but still, getting that away goal in the opening leg in St. Louis was so important for the Dynamo to make this move to advance to the next round
5: yeah that that was one of the things you know one of the the big takeaways I had in our uh our first conversation after the first leg that you know I thought it was a relatively even effort, but at least we had you know an away goal and uh, you know people can debate the merits of away goals or you know anything like that, but the fact is that's the rules, and you play to win the game and you play within the confines of the rules and that's the rules, and then we the were able to come away, and that away goal was the difference. I mean, despite giving up two uh, in St. Louis, uh, we held our own here. I mean, it, it wasn't pretty at times, but it wasn't necessarily pretty in St. Louis either, so um, I think that I'm I'm very confident with how well the defense and especially the goalkeeping, going back to Steve Clark again, um, how well those guys performed. Ethan Bartlow had an incredible uh, sliding uh, denial save in the 55th minute. Clark in the 27th, I think it was uh, a point blank with you know after you know I'm praising uh, some of the defense, but at times some of the passing was lazy out of the back, but. That you know, when it came to it, the guys stood up and were able to uh, to keep St. Louis off the score sheet, and that made a game that ended uh, at about eleven thirty Central Time end at eleven thirty Central Time instead of much much later.
0: I know, I know. Well, what are you gonna do?
5: You know that that's uh, the scheduling. It, it, you know, you don't control it. You don't control it.
0: That's right. You don't control it. You just try to uh, play the game as much as you can and uh, do as much as you can with it. So what are you going to do, unfortunately? But, um, you know, let me just say this, Derek. Uh, What what did Ben Olsen say after the match that, uh, you know, he he felt really good about this matchup uh, against St. Louis? What, what 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 did he say?
5: Well, Ben Olson was also feeling quite uh, late in the hour and was very quick to open things up to the locker room to try and get, uh, he said he was trying to get everybody out of here, uh, which was pretty funny. Uh, Some of his comments uh, in the coming days, because, you know, they open up more conversation, uh, he was asked about uh, uh, Tate Schmidt, uh, who filled in, for, or didn't fill in, but he was subbed on for uh, Griffin Dorsey, uh, who is now day-to-day, unfortunately, Ugh. with an injury. Uh, but he yeah. was asked about him because Tate Schmidt is left-footed, and he was playing right back. And he said, well, he's got two feet, you know. <laughs> he, he, so you he can play with both of them. Which, again, Ben Ben, ben Olsen goaded. You know, he, he is just such a pleasure to uh to listen to uh but in in terms of tactics uh i think he really was you know especially after that opening goal was really trying to uh hold on i mean and you could see a lot of the the way that the dynamo uh going the the closer and closer it got to 90 minutes because the dynamo had for i think a brief period up to like 80% possession, and that had fallen to, I think, by the by the end of the game, around 56 or so. And a lot of that is, as the game went on after that goal, with the away goal advantage, they were trying to, you know, not park the bus per se, because they had a couple of chances. Tate Schmidt, again, bringing him up, had a great run down, down the... Uh, down the touchline uh that almost resulted in something and so did uh Ibrahim Al-Aliu um but uh they it was a lot more defensive based they surrendered some possession at the expense of uh well uh, they surrendered some possession to bolster their defense because one of the St. Louis strategies had been to let the Dynamo possess and then really work and take advantage of any level of sloppy possession or our lack of uh connectivity or uh chemistry up front and counter-attack so us giving up some of the possession allowed them essentially in in into the game and he was pleased with uh ben Olson was pleased with uh the defense actually stepping up and uh Absorbing that pressure.
0: No, absolutely, and I'm glad to hear that. You know, I I have to ask you, though, how, how tough has it been to basically watch this Dynamo team having an excellent year last year? I'm not saying they're imploding, but at the moment, they're falling apart with all the injuries, of
5: course. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not easy. Um, you know, um, at the 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 Kansas City game, uh, I was talking with uh, one of my fellow writers, uh, Rudy Segura, and, you know, we were just – one of our initial comments was, you know, if somebody gets hurt or, you know, late in the game, who who do we bring on? You know, we don't have – we're not that deep. You know, a lot of the guys that are starting are probably – guys that should be coming off the bench but you know so so that's that's frustrating but i think with that frustration also provides opportunity for for some guys uh like your uh tate schmitz uh your franco escobars uh brad smith uh a a lot of these guys are now going to gain opportunity and with other competitions like the u.s open cup and this competition and the congested schedule is going to provide uh, opportunities. Uh, ben Olsen has been very big on Gabriel uh, Segal uh, lately, and, you know, that's really good for, for a young guy to be able to, to have those opportunities. And, you know, it, it's kind of fun as somebody that reports on this, but also just as a spectator to watch some of these people you know, step into their own opportunities, and it's not it's not the same as watching like a, a Lionel Messi or you know somebody else. But within those little, I don't know, threads, there 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 is something to to watch, and you know, real real soccer heads will will find uh, notes of positivity. But of course, you know, there's plenty to to be frustrated with at the same time. So it it is a, you know, it's not a win-win. It is a, uh, well, on this side of the coin, there's this, but on this side, there's this, you know. So it is what it is. You don't control it. You know, everybody likes to be the a backseat GM sometimes or a backseat coach, but all you can do is watch what's, you know, in front of you.
0: The worst is a backseat driver. You know that.
5: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: uh, I know what you're talking about. Don't worry. I know, I know, I know. But anyway, um, big matchup. And is it, is it a little strange that the Dynamo are going to face another MLS club in the round of 16? Because you're going to take on the Columbus crew. That def- the current –
5: yeah. You, uh, well, you know, like like we were saying, uh, sort of towards the the beginning of our conversation, you don't you don't really control what what it is, but you got to take uh, every game as they come. Um, you know, coming playing against St. Louis, who were the the top club in the MLS uh, standings in the Western Conference, and now we're taking on the MLS Cup champs. It's you know, <laughs> one blow after another uh and and they certainly are and i was listening to uh, your uh your st louis reporter uh kind of rooting a little bit for columbus uh you know instead of instead of you know being beaten by the best but but you know that it that is what it is but um yeah it like it, it is what it is and it 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 provides its own challenges but also familiar ground and you know they're they're coming to Houston first on what is it Tuesday right and yep. uh, that's where it starts we've got to set the tone we we can't let them uh, get on the board and we we've got to take care of our business uh, you play to win the game uh, and we we've, we've got to and if we don't then we've got to adjust and play even better away. But it it starts there. And that is, uh, you know, there's plenty of takes on whether it's better or not to to start two legs, you know, at home or starting away, uh, depending on how you want to set the tone or would you rather finish things off uh, in front of the home crowd. You know, there's plenty of different takes on that. But this is what we have, and we have to come out. Our offense needs to uh, really find its rhythm uh, because our offense has been what's what's been struggling and you can't really make it a goalkeeper war against a, a team as good at finishing as Columbus is. And the defense has to also step up. I mean, they, I think that the defense has a lot to, to be proud of, but they need to crisp up a lot of their weak passing out of the back and I think Ben Olson will drill that in. They're going to be running tape. They're going to be showing who to look at, who's marking what, and you know, hopefully things come together. It'll be a great game. I mean, I can't wait. Oh, I,
0: exactly. I can't wait myself. It should be exciting, and it should be a lot of fun, and hopefully the Dynamo will find a way to uh, surprise the uh Columbus crew, and maybe it's a big, big victory for the team in Orange. But anyway, Derek, thank you for joining me once again, and uh, talk to you again next Friday for the Round of 16 First Leg Review, and uh, you have a good night, my friend. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you. Always a pleasure.
0: Always a pleasure. Derek Stowers, Bayou City Soccer, joining us tonight to talk about the Dynamo as they do defeat St. Louis City SC by final of a goal to nil. Aggregate was tied at two, but the Dynamo advanced on the away goal that they scored in the first leg at St. Louis City Park. Um, and the other two matches, of course, once again, Orlando City winning in their second leg three goals to one against Cavalry uh, FC from the Canadian Premier League. It was uh, Nicholas Ladero in the 48th minute, Mayor Bevan. Equalizing in the 64th, but then Ramiro Enrique in the 71st, and Kyle Smith in the 88th minute, uh, to end it all uh, for cavalry. And uh, unfortunately, for the Canadian side of things, all three clubs are eliminated and did not advance to the opening to the first uh, excuse me, to the round of 16. Vancouver Whitecaps, Hamilton Forge, FC, and now Cavalry FC are now done and dusted on the Canadian side of this international cup competition. Nashville, of course, taking on Mocha FC from the Dominican Republic. And uh, it was another destroyer, 4-0 in this one, 7-0 on aggregate. Uh, Mackenzie Gaines in the opening minute in the 13th. Forster Ajago gets two goals, 38th minute in the 53rd. And Jacob uh, Schaffelberg in the 45th 45th minute was able uh, to get his goal, and that would be that. And once again, that meant the end of Moca FC as they move on Nashville SC into the second round, which is the round of sixteen, as they are now uh, advancing with the rest of the MLS clubs, with the exception of St. Louis City, going into the next round of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. So we'll see about what's going to happen there. And uh, once again, everyone is moving on. and it should be interesting. Here are the matchups for the round of 16 in the CONCACAF Champions Cup in the CONCACAF Champions Cup that will start this first week of March in the opening leg. Pachuca will be taking on the Philadelphia Union. SV Robin Hood of Suriname, the Caribbean Cup champions, facing Costa Rican side Herediano. Club America taking on Guadalajara Chivas, the derby from Costa Rica, Aldi Aluenza will take on the New England Revolution. The Columbus Crew will be taking on the Houston Dynamo. U N A L Tigres taking on Orlando City. Monterrey taking on FC Cincinnati, and the re- and the rematch. Not really so much of a rematch in the Champions Cup, but in the League's Cup final, Inter Miami taking on Nashville SC. Here's the schedule for these matches uh on fox sports 2 at 6 p.m eastern philadelphia union hosting pachuca in the first leg orlando city uh, excuse me the opening matches at 6 eastern philadelphia union hosting pachuca at eight o'clock eastern orlando city hosting tigris and at 10 o'clock eastern herediano hosting robin hood on tuesday march the fifth on wednesday march the sixth also all on Fox Sports 2. It will be the New England Revolution taking on al at 6 p.m. Eastern. At 8 p.m. Eastern, the Houston Dynamo taking on the Columbus Crew. And at 10 p.m. Eastern, Guadalajara versus Club America, all on Fox Sports 2. Then on Thursday, March the 7th, we have FC Cincinnati, taking on Monterey at 7 p.m. Eastern, and it looks like that matchup will be on, if I can make sure I get it correct Uh, at the moment. We do not have a television provider for that one, so my guess would be either Tubi online or Fox Sports 2 or on TUDN. Watch it there. At 9 Eastern, you can watch at the same time online or or, uh, on TV. Nashville SC taking on Inter Miami, TUDN, or on Fox Sports 2. So that is your opening round matches. And, of course, Mr. Charlie assam will be joining us next week to review the Liga MX sides going into the CONCACAF Champions Cup. I want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Matt Ralph of Philadelphia Soccer Now. I want to thank Sam Minton of The Blazing Musket. I want to thank Kenta Hagawara. From Area Sportsnet, thank you, Dave Lang of Soccer Made in St. Louis podcast, and once again, thank you, Derek Stowers of Bayou City Soccer. My name is Daniel Forrestine. Join me this coming Monday night. I'll be joined by Michael Batista covering all New York City soccer, especially Hudson River Blue and Red Bull Nation. should be a fun one uh, this upcoming Monday night. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. This has been the CONCACAF Champions Cup Round of 16 Second Leg MLS Review Show. Join me once again this coming Monday night for another regular Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. And next Friday, the CONCACAF Champions Cup Round of 16 First Leg Review. Have a good night. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long and have a good night. Bye bye, everybody. Have a good night once again.